Worst. No, you, no, it's cool. No, 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 no. Did you not let her away with this? Katie, where's the music? Like, Chloe, no. It's the like, big ask to like make music every single episode. I think it's laziness, like, Kleiner. That's all that is. It's not laziness, man. Like, I totally could. But like, it's just, this book is like too sad for music. Like, I tried like a bunch of different, like, it just wouldn't work. And... And it's it's too hot right now. It, it is very hot. It is too hot for me. Has <laughs> your has uh, your hay fever actually, Kay? You know, like actually, like not that, but like I think like maybe I'm on like the antihistamine buzz that I like need to be on at this stage. Like like either that or I've been like dealing with this level of soft tissue inflammation for like so long that I do not remember what normal feels like anymore. But you are like going to feel like amazing in september yeah yeah and like that's that's only a month and a half of like ongoing crappy feelingness i mean that's oh man that is just so sad like don't forget you have an ear infection as well katie <laughs> yeah. oh is it like a full-on infection like i thought it sounded like an abscess dude like did it did it not burst yet? Like you guys don't enjoy when a sore thing with like stuff in it like bursts. It's the best. <laughs> Animals, Sarah. Oh my, some people. That's all I'm saying right here. I'm, I'm all gonna get sick. I'm all gonna get sick right now. <laughs> lies. Those are filthy, filthy, filthy lies. That's all I'm gonna say. You are the filthy one here, Sarah. And like, I can't believe you will say things like this in front of my new balayage. Like, don't listen to her, Casuela. Don't, don't sully your strands. You, you, you named, you named your new haircut. Consuela. Well, it's a cut and color cleaner, a very advanced coloring technique. Like, I mean, I don't need to tell you that, but like, and yeah, I mean, so obviously she needed to be named. And yes, therefore, her name is Consuela. I mean, what exactly is the problem with that? That's, that's fair. That is fair. <laughs> I do, I do keep wondering though, like, about whether I want to get anything done with my hair. I mean, like, I haven't done anything with it in forever, but like, it's in pretty good condition. Uh, like, you've thing. been lashing on them treatments, though, Sasha. Like, Plus, like, I would kill for curly hair like that. Like, genuinely, it's 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 a boon you have been granted by the cosmos. That's what that's what that is. <laughs> what? I'll be real. I don't really know, but like, just go with it. Just go with it. Like, let's make it war. <laughs> okay. Yes, it's a boon. I have been granted by the cosmos, Chloe. You're absolutely right. But <laughs> it's not like yeah, I'm gonna be able to do much with it too. Like, I mean, yeah. The only thing would be the length. Yeah, I guess I just have to keep it moisturized. It is excellent hair, really. No. Like, like, is it, like, is it just me or is, like, hair and hay fever too basic and, like, frivolous for us to be talking about during, like, this episode? Well, I mean, that kind of blows me talking about cowboy J.K.L. Pie out of the water right now, Katie. Thanks very much. <laughs> well, well, like, I mean, did you... Did you have something prepared? Well, no, I didn't have something prepared. I mean, I had a loose outline. <laughs> oh, do tell. Like she did not have a loose outline, uh, Excuse you, Katie Murphy. I did too have a loose outline. So, like, so, girls, 
Obviously, the permission to dance video is a secret message to me from JKL Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah obviously. <laughs> so, like, obviously, he let go of that purple balloon because, like, it has, like, a homing device in it that will, like, send him a signal of sexiness as well as, like, a drop-in of my location. Like, when it finds me, obviously. But, like, don't encourage her, Sarah. Like, the purple balloon symbolizes post-COVID hope. Chloe, like, don't act like a drop-in of my location. <laughs> when it finds me, which will obviously shepherd in a new frontier. Oh, nice, nice. Did you like that, did you? Yeah, yeah. That's that's the first like decent reasoning for the Western team I've heard so far. Excellent work, Chloe. Oh my god, Clina, like that's that's maybe the best compliments I've ever received. Oh my gosh. But yes, it will, yes, it will usher in the new frontier of Chloe and JK, Chloe if you will, and and just our unending love. And like, uh, here, believe you me, there's gold in them there hills. Adidas sponsorship. Like, and maybe like a possible Ivy Park collaboration with Beyonce, Sarah, like, you know, provided she's not filming, like BB working on projects. Like, you know how it is. I do. I really, really do. Look, is nobody going to talk about how ridiculous this is? <sighs> Was his figure skater spin a metaphor for your whirlwind romance play? Oh my god, like, you noticed that too? <laughs> 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 No, no, Katie, no, I get it. I do get it. Like, like this, yeah, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a serious episode. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I wanted to do something stupid at the beginning. Like, because, like, yeah, this is going, this one's going to be tough, innit, girls? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I guess, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, this is going to, yeah, this is going to be, yeah. Sorry, Chloe. That's okay. That's okay, Katie. You can still come to the wedding. Like, like I do not know why I try. What, what, what is the point? <laughs> this this week, but yeah, this 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 week, yeah, we're we're talking about um, we're talking about Leslie Feinberg's Stone Butch Blues, um, mm. and it's 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 a hefty one. Um, it's kind of it's kind of what we've been gearing up to reading, like all of this series, I guess. Like, and I I am like really glad that that we did yeah um, yeah for real yeah yeah but i guess yeah i guess i guess we started the start yeah um, i suppose so like yeah we we the, the author is is leslie feinberg like like we said um and yeah her website lesliefeinberg.net has it's got like a lot of information about like who she was and what she stood for and in like reading it we all agreed that especially since she's not around anymore um and she had been so marginalized for for a lot of her life we we wanted to take all of the information um about her um like directly from there given it was like in her own words uh, or were was provided by people that knew her really well um and as well, she she had a lot of like clear instructions on how her work should be used so as not to dilute it or turn it into something it isn't. So, yeah, we're going to do our absolute best to make sure we don't do that um, because, it, you know, through laziness or like just ignorance, we we could do that. Um, but any, anyway, we're, we're going to. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Uh, Leslie Feinberg, who identified as an anti-racist, white, working class, secular Jewish, transgender, lesbian, female, revolutionary communist, died on November 15th, 2014. She, or Z, 
um, succumbed to complications from multiple tick-borne co-infections, including Lyme disease, babesiosis. I really should have figured out how to say that before I like got on the mic here. Anyway, anyway, um, and Protomyxoma rheumatica, rheumatica. Yeah, after decades of illness. Z slash she died at home in Syracuse, New York with here partner and spouse of 22 years, Minnie Bruce Pratt at here side. Here last words were remember me as a revolutionary communist. Um, so there's an incredible amount of activism she slash Z was was involved in after leaving um, her family home due to uh, their denial of um, her gender expression and sexuality. We're we're gonna we're gonna talk about pronouns a little later on. I appreciate it. This might make listeners a little um, uncomfortable hearing us use here instead of her. But again, it's the it's the wishes of the author and all that kind of stuff. It's it's another pronoun basically. Um, but yeah. We want to get into the book, basically. It's just, yeah, it's, oh, this is, this is hard. But like, there's, yeah, before we do that, we, we, we don't want to leave out, um, information on, yeah, the, the activism Leslie Feinberg was involved in. Um, mostly kind of because it's just like crazy impressive that someone could like live this large and do this much good, like genuinely. But like, yeah, uh, like we said earlier, we, we want to talk about, um, Leslie Feinberg's rights and requests in relation to the book. So Leslie died in 2014, like we said, um, but she slash Z um, had some like super clear instructions and requests on how Stone Butch Blues was to be used and encountered um, after her death. And like I said, we want to read them here so that we're not yeah, we're, so that we are going into this with our intention clear, um, that we want to talk about our response to the work and not create something that's like a derivative of her creativity and labor and stuff. Um, but in the spirit of everything we're talking about today, like if anyone does feel that we have in any way dishonored these requests or infringed on the author's rights, do let us know. We have the utmost respect for for this book and, and the author. And, and as well, like there was something about like reading this that, that I don't know, it just gave us such a clear view on on who Leslie Feinberg was and I think that's that's kind of important anyway but but yeah um all of the below information is available below <laughs> I'm, re- I'm reading it it's below in front of me it's 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 subsequent for you guys um but it's all available on on lesliefeinberg.net as is the um digital copy of Stone Butch Blues uh, again so so it's it's um it is available um free for for everyone but um anyway yeah the 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 information that's available on on Leslie's um requests requests and and author's rights um so just a note from Minnie Bruce Pratt as Leslie Feinberg's literary executor I am adhering faithfully to your wishes as Z slash he she Jesus already Z slash she gives those below. I ask that you honour um, your life and your work by respecting your rights and requests. Leslie also explains in this section her decision as a communist to make Stone Butch Blues available to all and writes briefly um, about some of her decisions on how to, about how to narrate the novel. Um, I must be nervous. This is, this is hard. Um, authors, rights and requests. Um... I had to work to recover my rights to Stonebutch Blues. 
when the first publisher went into chapter 11 court, I had to spend thousands of dollars of my wages on legal fees to recover the right to this novel and to Minnie Bruce Pratt's book of poems, poems, Crime Against Nature. While very ill in spring 2012, I recovered my rights again. Once and for all, I hold the author copyright by law and by labour to Stonebutch Blues. This novel is not represented by a literary agency. I hold all digital rights. I am receiving messages from readers, teachers, bookstore owners, publishers and translators asking me where can Stone Butch Blues be ordered or permissions be gotten for reprint rights, translation agreements, etc. Those who are seeking commercial contracts are persistent and sometimes don't take no for an answer. I am too ill to respond to inquiries about contracts or permissions, so I have taken Stone Butch Blues off the capitalist market. I will not be signing any new commercial contracts for this novel or renewing existing contracts when they expire. No further commercial or permission inquiries, please. I've written the following regarding author's rights and requests in as clear a way as I can to answer the questions I am asked most frequently in individual inquiries. I give this novel back to the workers and oppressed of the world. The revolutionary and anti-capitalist movements for social and economic justice have given me so much in life. I give this novel back as a tiny handmade gift, flaws and all, to the workers and oppressed of the world. I have retained full author copyright to Stone Butch Blues, Blues rather than license this 20th anniversary edition through Creative Commons. The reason is not out of a fetish for ownership of property, but rather to protect my work from being exploited commercially by corporations. Marxism has never been opposed to private ownership of personal property or products of one's own labour, and in fact holds that everyone should be able to have these things. Instead, Marxists say that the 1% banks and corporations have seized the giant worker-built apparatus of production and the distribution of production as their own. They claim they own it all. As a communist, I am for abolishing ownership by the 1% of the socially built apparatus of production. Workers and oppressed people already doing the work of the world every day can run that productive apparatus to make historically overdue reparations and to meet the needs and wants of the 99%. While Stone Butch Blues is fiction, it speaks truth. But the capitalist deeds of ownership say that the 1% owns everything that has been produced by collective labour, both enslaved and waged. Those deeds are fiction and should be torn up. And on the day that those paper deeds of ownership are torn up, it won't matter about protecting Stonebush Blues anymore from commercial exploitation. In the meantime, here I assert my author rights to Stonebush Blues in this 20th anniversary edition. No permissions, no contracts, no commercial use, no derivative rights, no derivative use, no digital rights. We should clarify here, actually, that um, we don't make any money off the podcast. This is entirely Elsie's jam. She does this when she is not working her regular nine to 11 o'clock at night job. Um, if we did make any money off this particular episode, this this would be, it would be redistributed. Um, we wouldn't, uh, there's no way she would keep it. And it's also not going to happen. Anyway, um, no adaptations. Don't tell me you're honoring me by saying you can tell this story better than I did. We had never thought of it that way. No movie version. I worked briefly on a movie version of Stone Butch Blues until I discovered that the producer's prospectus was trying to raise capital from investors by offering a sexual fantasy, an invitation to watch butches being raped by police. I requested that no movie be made. I don't believe any movie can be made true to the intention of the book. No permission for derivative use. A cartoonist was trying to parlay her comic book drafts of Stone Butch Blues into a book deal. She contacted me about this and I denied permission. She then put her version of Stone Butch Blues up on the web. 
Her cover was an interracial butch femme couple slow dancing, a white butch and an African-American femme with a gardenia in her hair. This was the artist's fantasy. This couple and this scene are nowhere to be found in Stone Butch Blues. I repeatedly asked the artist to take her comic book version off the web, but was only able to get her to take down this derivative work after repeated efforts and great exertion on my part. I had never given permission for her derivative digital use of Stone Butch Blues. Respect begins with asking and receiving permission. I do not give permission for any derivative use of Stone Butch Blues and not just because of illness. When I was a child, I made my own crystal radio set from a block of wood, orange juice cans, some wires and transistors, and I discovered the world of narrative dramas I couldn't see, not like the movies and TV. These were stories only I could hear, I could only hear, and imagine in my mind what the characters looked like. That's how I wrote Stone Butch Blues. A lot of people say it's cinematic, but they are seeing it projected on the screen of their own imagination. I made a decision in writing Stone Butch Blues based on my anger at seeing how many white writers used whiteness as a default and only described a character if they were of colour. Based on my anger at writers who only used thinness as the default and only identified characters as being fat. At writers who didn't name a character if they were able-bodied or didn't have a disability but did label them if they did. I decided I wasn't going to do that. In Stone Butch Blues, we discover the characters through their reactions to racism and other bigotries. I don't name who the characters are. I don't tell, I show. That means that different people who read this book may have different views about the sizes and shapes and abilities and so forth of these characters. And as readers, those are all valid experiences. But for derivative artists intent on making derivative art using a narrative I have written, this means that they take their individual idea of who is black or white, fat or thin, able-bodied or disabled, and the derivative artist flattens and concretizes their own interpretation for all time as if that's the truth of Stone Butch Blues for all time and all readers. It's their imagination rewriting the entire book for all readers. I do not give permission for Stone Butch Blues to be rewritten based on someone else's imagination. As a white communist, I am responsible for the book's strengths and weaknesses. Stone Butch Blues is not merely a working class novel. It is a novel that embodies class struggle. No digital rights. I'm sticking with the union. I do not assign any digital rights. Stone Butch Blues lives on the digital page here at lesliefeinberg.net. Please do not digitally remove Stone Butch Blues from the digital page where it lives. Please do not repost the book or parts of the book. No, thanks for reading all that, Sarah. Like, I'd hate for us... Yeah, when I read that, that was the first thing I thought. Like, I'd hate for us to not, like, take that into account. Like, it's obviously such a big part of who she was and what she wanted for the work that she did. And I'd be, like, I'd be really, really upset if just by doing the show too quickly that we ended up being, like, really disrespectful and, like ignoring like loads of her wishes and stuff yeah like that did suck out loud man no but like i was like when i read that i was wondering like can we can we do the show like are are we are we allowed to talk about it like yeah no like like we can yeah it's just like it's just the book is it's it's not that the book isn't for us because like books are for everybody but like this is this is possibly the most shocking story of oppression we've read so far for the show. Yeah, and like and like the point of 
learning about stuff like this because like, we did feel like we were learning like it, it felt like a history lesson like I know it's a work of fiction like yeah Leslie Feinberg is like super clear about that but the time and the society and the experiences she shows in the book and that like we witness in it are like all true things that happened and that like I've never heard anybody talk about and like it'd just be and I think part of like reading that but the 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 her author's rights and kind of requests and stuff like it's just it would be so easy to turn our conversation into like misery porn where like yeah we kind of all sit around and talking like hushed voices about oh my god it was so horrible but you know it'll never happen to me isn't it awful what these people went through like that's not what this is about like this is real human suffering that people went through for like no reason at all other than people in power wanted to see them suffer and it informs the the societal like pathway or journey of of the lgbtq plus movement today and and that's why it needs to be taken into account like we like we we need to know like like the fight is there because the lgbtq plus movement is made up of human people who deserve to be treated treated the same as other human people but like what people in who 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 are gay or transgender or whatever it is the way that they've been treated historically that's that that's incredibly important context and not like the way they've been treated we 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 realized reading this that we didn't have the details on that at all <laughs> clean up is that you? Are you all right? Chloe, man. No, no, like it's fine. Clee, we can punch the recording. No, no, like and, and lose all of um, the stuff that, that Sarah said wrong during that. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> no, like, it's, yeah, no, it's just, it's just so sad and, um, and scary. Like does people were just born back then, you know, like that's, that's the only reason things like that happened to them. And they went through all of that and they did all of that fighting so that I can live my life the way I can to the extent I can now. And like, it's just, it's so strange to be disgraceful to people that you don't know, you know? Clee, like we can stop, man. No, 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 it's fine. I just, I just need a second. Um, is the blurb next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna do all the reading this episode, actually. <laughs> the sound, thanks. Yeah, like, no, that's, that's fine. Yeah, that's, that's loads of time. Yeah. Okay. You sure? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. Um, so, yeah, uh, Stone Butch Blues, uh, Leslie Feinberg's 1993 first novel, is widely considered in and outside the US to be a groundbreaking work about the complexities of gender. Feinberg was the first theorist to advance a Marxist concept of transgender liberation. Sold by the hundreds of thousands of copies and also passed from hand to hand inside prisons, Stone Butch Blues has been translated into Chinese, Dutch, German, Italian, Slovenian, Turkish and Hebrew with here earnings from that edition going to ASWAT, Palestinian Gay Women. The novel was winner of the 1994 American Library Association Stonewall Book Award and a 1994 Lambda Literary Award. Feinberg commented on Stone Butch Blues in here author's note to the 2003 edition. Like my own life, this novel defies easy classification. If you found Stone Butch Blues in a bookstore or library, what category was it in? Lesbian fiction? Gender studies, 
Like the germinal novel The Well of Loneliness by Radcliffe, John Hall, this book is a lesbian novel and a transgender novel, making trans a verb. I beg your pardon, making trans genre a verb as well as an adjective. People who have lived very different lives have generously related to me the similarities they recognised in these pages with their own struggles. The taste of bile, the inferno of rage, transsexual men and women, heterosexual crossdressers and bearded females, intersexual and androgynous people, bi-gender and tri-gender individuals, and many other exquisitely defined and expressed identities. In here, 2014, authors note the 20th edition, 20th anniversary uh, author's edition, Feinberg reflects that language usage had changed in naming the sex and gender spectrum Z slash she had so eloquently described in 2003. The use of the word transgender has changed over the two decades since I wrote Stone Butch Blues. Since that time, the term gender has increasingly been used to mean the sexes rather than gender expressions. This novel argues otherwise. I've been isolated by illness from discussions about language for more than half a decade. So I can only note that, like planes, trains and automobiles, the same technological vehicles of hormones and surgeries take people on different journeys in their lives, depending on whether their oppression is based on sexes, self or gender expressions, sexualities, nationalities, immigration status, health or disabilities or economic exploitation of their labour. She sounds like she was such a hero, man. Like, can you imagine, like, being that, like, like, not strong, just, but, like, now, do you know what, I guess we're going to talk about all that, innit? I was just about to interrupt you, like, like, I think, I think we kind of just need to read the excerpt and get it done, right? Like, yeah, yeah, like, it's, yeah, I know we keep saying this, but it, this is a tough read, you guys, <laughs> and, like, we were talking about this before the show, and the thing is, like, it's also a bit... Of it's just kind of unexpected um, that that the the book the, the yeah the book is is it's it's grim like because like the gay community now is so colorful and vibrant like it's really easy to ignore the violence that was endured for like a significant period of time so like this is yeah this was this was our requiem for a dream uh, this series look I am never watching that movie again ever never again. But you agree that everyone needs to watch it. Well, like, yeah, but it's like getting kicked in the chest by a movie, man. Isn't that what Cleana said about it? <laughs> um, like, uh... Thank you. Thank you, Thursha. I, I feel a little better now about the whole situation. <laughs> but, um, but no, let's, yeah, here, let's get started. But yeah, the, um, yeah, like we've said, this is, this is rough enough stuff. There's, there's mentions of, of, um, like violence and and rape and and general hideous shit like yeah the suicide as well actually so so yeah if if any of those things will um trigger any difficult to manage reactions for you um please skip the next like 15 or so minutes um if the time does end up being longer um i promise we'll edit this with um us giving the the timestamp of when we're no longer reading a character's in-depth recounting of sexual abuse they have endured jesus christ man you okay? Okay. Like, yeah. Like, like it's it's just so big, man. It's so big and so scary. And, like, they really hurt her, man. Like, they hurt all those people. And, like, they're supposed to protect people, man. Like, it's just, like, oh, here, dude. Here, 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 here Katie, 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 don't lose it. Yeah, okay. We learned loads. Yeah, we're not going to forget about this because this stuff is so horrible. Yeah, like, that's why we read it. Like, that's that's the point. You know, this is this is a history lesson about stuff we don't get told about. That's what makes it important. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're right. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks, Chloe. Okay. Get it together. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so yeah, this is, this is the opening of the book. Um, so, yeah, so we're all going in cold. You guys listening know, know as much as, as we do at, at this point. Dear Teresa, I'm lying on my bed tonight missing you. My eyes all swollen, hot tears running down my face. There's a fierce summer lightning storm raging outside. Tonight I walk down streets looking for you in every woman's face, as I have each night of this lonely exile. I'm afraid I'll never see your laughing, teasing eyes again. I had coffee in Greenwich Village earlier with a woman. A mutual friend set us up. Sure, we'd have a lot in common since we're both into politics. Well... We sat in a coffee shop and she talked about democratic politics and seminars and photography and problems with her co-op and how she's so opposed to rent control. Small wonder, daddy is a real estate developer. I was looking at her while she was talking, thinking to myself that I'm a stranger in this woman's eyes. She's looking at me, but she doesn't see me. Then she finally said how she hates this society for what it's done to women like me who hate themselves so much that they have to look and act like men. I felt myself getting flushed and my face twitched a little and I started telling her, all cool and calm, about how women like me existed since the dawn of time, before there was oppression, and how those societies respected them. And she got her very interested expression on, and besides, it was time to leave. So we walked by a corner where these cops were laying into a homeless man and I stopped and mouthed off to the cops and they started coming at me with their clubs raised and she tugged at my belt to pull me back. I just looked at her and suddenly I felt things well up in me I thought had been buried. I stood there remembering you like I didn't see cops about to hit me, like I was falling back into another world, a place I wanted to go again. And suddenly my heart hurt so bad and I realised how long it's been since my heart felt anything. I need to go home to you tonight, Teresa. I can't, so I'm writing you this letter. I remember years ago, the day I started working at the cannery in Buffalo, and you had already been there a few months, and how your eyes caught mine and played with me before you set me free. I was supposed to be following the foreman to fill out some forms, but I was so busy wondering what colour your hair was underneath that white paper net, and how it would look and feel in my fingers, down, loose and free. And I remember how you laughed gently when the foreman came back and said, you coming or not? All of us he-shes were so mad when we heard you got fired because you wouldn't let the superintendent touch your breasts. I still unloaded on the docks for another couple of days, but I was kind of mopey. It just wasn't the same after your light went out. I couldn't believe it the night I went to the club on the west side. There you were, leaning up against the bar, your jeans too tight for words and your hair all loose and free. And I remember that look in your eyes again. You didn't just know me. You liked what you saw. And this time, oh, woman, we were on our own turf. I could move the way you wanted me to. And I was glad I'd gotten all dressed up. Our own turf. Would you dance with me? You didn't say yes or no. Just teased me with your eyes straightened my tie, smoothed my collar, and took me by the hand. You had my heart before you moved against me like you did. Tammy was singing Stand By Your Man, and we were all changing the he's to she's inside our heads to make it fit right. 
after you moved that way, you had more than my heart. You made me ache and you liked that. So did I. The older butches warned me. If you wanted to keep your marriage, you don't go to the bars. But I've always been a one-woman butch. Besides, this was our community. The only one we belonged to. So we went every weekend. There were two types of fights in the bars. Most weekends had one kind or the other. Some weekends both. There were fistfights between the butch women, full of booze, shame, jealous and security. Sometimes the fights were awful and spread like a web to trap everyone in the bar, like the night Hedy lost her eye when she got hit upside the head with a bar stool. I was real proud that in all those years I never hit another butch woman. See, I loved them too, and I understood their pain and their shame because I was so much like them. I loved the lines etched in their faces and hands and the curves of their work-weary shoulders. Sometimes I looked in the mirror and wondered what I would look like when I was their age. (laughs) Now I know. In their own way, they loved me too. They protected me because they knew I wasn't a Saturday night butch. The weekend butches were scared of me because I was a stone he-she. If only they had known how powerless I really felt inside. But the older butches... They knew the whole road that lay ahead of me and they wished I didn't have to go down it because it hurt so much. When I came into the bar and drag, kind of hunched over, they told me, be proud of what you are. And then they adjusted my tie sort of like you did. I was like them. They knew I didn't have a choice. So I never fought them with my fists. We clapped each other on the back in the bars and watched each other's backs at the factory. But then... There were the times our real enemies came in the front door. Drunken gangs of sailors, clan-type thugs, sociopaths, and cops. You always knew when they walked in because someone thought to pull the plug on the jukebox. No matter how many times it happened, we all still went, aw, when the music stopped and then realised it was time to get down to business. When the bigots came in, it was time to fight. And fight we did. Fought hard, Them and Butch, women and men, together. If the music stopped and it was the cops at the door, someone plugged the music back in and we switched dance partners. Us in our suits and ties paired off with our drag queen sisters in their dresses and pumps. Hard to remember that it was illegal then for two women or two men to sway to music together. When the music ended, the Butches bowed, our femme partners curtsied, and we returned to our seats, our lovers and our drinks to await our fates. That's when I remember your hand on my belt, up under my suit jacket. That's where your hand stayed the whole time the cops were there. Take it easy, honey. Stay with me, baby. Cool off. You'd be cooing in my ear like a special lover's song sung to warriors who need to pick and choose their battles in order to survive. We learned fast that the cops always pulled the police van right up to the bar door and left snarling dogs inside so we couldn't get out. You're trapped, all right. Remember the night you stayed home with me when I was so sick? That was the night, you remember. The cops picked out the most stone butch of them all to destroy with humiliation. A woman, everyone said, wore a raincoat in the shower. We heard they stripped her slow in front of everyone in the bar and laughed at her trying to cover up her nakedness. Later, she went mad, they said. Later, she hung herself. What would I have done if I had been there that night? 
I'm remembering the busts in the bars in Canada. Packed in the police vans, all the Saturday night butches giggled and tried to fluff up their hair so they could get thrown in the tank with the femme women. Said it would be like dying and going to heaven. The law said we had to be wearing three pieces of women's clothing. We never switched clothing. Neither did our drag queen sisters. We knew, and so did you, what was coming. We needed our sleeves rolled up, our hair slicked back in order to live through it. Our hands were cuffed tight behind our backs. Yours were cuffed in front. You loosened my tie, unbuttoned my collar and touched my face. I saw the pain and fear for me in your face and I whispered it would be all right. We knew it wouldn't be. I never told you what they did to us down there. Queens in in one tank, stone butches in the next. But you knew. One at a time they would drag our brothers out of the cells, slapping and punching them, locking the bars behind them fast in case we lost control and tried to stop them as if we could. They'd handcuff a brother's wrists to his ankles or chain his face against the bars. They made us watch. Sometimes we'd catch the eyes of the terrorised victim or soon-to-be caught in the vice of torture and we'd say gently, I'm with you, honey, look at me, it's okay, we'll take you home. We never cried in front of the cops. We knew we were next. Next time the cell door opens, it'll be me, they drag out and chain spread eagle to the bars. Did I survive? I guess. But only because I knew I might get home to you. They let us out last, one at a time, on Monday morning. No charges. Too late to call in sick to work. No money. Hitchhiking, crossing the border on foot, rumpled clothes, bloody, needing a shower, hurt, scared. I knew you'd be home if I could get there. You ran a bath for me with sweet-smelling bubbles. Laid out a pair of fresh white BVDs and a t-shirt for me and left me alone to wash off the first layer of shame. I remember it was always the same. I would put on the briefs and then I'd just get the t-shirt over my head and you would find some reason to come into the bathroom to get something or put something away. In a glance, you would memorize the wounds on my body like a roadmap, the gashes, bruises, cigarette burns. Later, in bed, you held me gently, caressing me everywhere, the tenderest touches reserved for the places I was hurt, knowing each and every sore place inside and out. You you didn't flirt with me right away, knowing I wasn't confident enough to feel sexy, but... Slowly, you coaxed my pride back out again by showing me how much you wanted me. You you knew it would take weeks again to melt my stone. Lately, I've read these stories by women who are so angry with stone lovers, even mocking their passion when they finally give way to trust, to being touched. And I'm wondering, did it hurt you the times I couldn't let you touch me? I hope it didn't. You treated my stone self as a wound that needed healing. Thank you. No one's done that since. If you were here tonight, well, it's it's all hypothetical, isn't it? I never said these things to you. (laughs) Tonight, I remember the time 
I got busted alone on strange turf. You're probably wincing already, but I have to say this to you. It was the night we drove 90 miles to a bar to meet friends who never showed up. When the police raided the club, we were alone and the club with the gold bars on his uniform came right over to me and told me to stand up. No wonder I was the only he, she in the place that night. He put his hands all over me, pulled up the band of my jockeys and told his men to cuff me. I didn't have the three pieces of women's clothing on. I wanted to fight right then and there because I knew the chance would be lost in a moment, but I also knew that everyone would be beaten that night if I fought back, so I just stood there. I saw they had pinned your arms behind your back and cuffed your hands. One cop had his arm across your throat. I remember the look in your eyes. It hurts me. It hurts me even now. They cuffed my hands so tight behind my back I almost cried out. Then the cop unzipped his pants real slow with a smirk on his face and ordered me down on my knees. First I thought to myself, can't. (laughs) Then I said out loud to myself and to you and to him, I won't. I've never told you this before, but something changed inside of me that moment. I learned the difference between what I can't do and what I refuse to do. I paid the price for that lesson. Do I have to tell you every detail? Of course not. When I got out of the tank the next morning, you were there. You bailed me out. No charges. They just kept your money. You had waited all night long in that police station. Only I knew how hard it was for you to withstand their leers, their taunts, their threats. I knew you cringed with every sound you strained to hear from back in the cells. You prayed you wouldn't hear me scream. I didn't. I remember when we got outside to the parking lot, you stopped and put your hands lightly on my shoulders and avoided my eyes. And you gently rubbed the bloody places on my shirt and said, I'll never get these stains out. Damn anyone who thinks that means you are relegated in life to worrying about my ring around the collar. I knew exactly what you meant. It was such an oddly sweet way of saying or not saying what you were feeling. Sort of the way I shut down emotionally when I feel scared and hurt and helpless and say funny little things that seem so out of context. You drove us home with my head in your lap all the way, stroked my face. You ran the bath, set out my fresh underwear, put me to bed, caressed me carefully, held me gently. Later that night, I woke up and found myself alone in bed. You were drinking at the kitchen table, head in your hands, and you were crying. I took you firmly in my arms and held you. And because you struggled and you hit my chest with your fists because the enemy wasn't there to fight. Moments later, you recalled the bruises on my chest and cried even harder, sobbing, it's my fault. I couldn't stop them. Always wanted to tell you this. In that one moment, I knew you really did understand how I felt in life. Choking on anger, feeling so powerless, unable to protect myself or those I loved most, yet fighting back again and again, unwilling to give up. I didn't have the words to tell you this then. I just said, it'll be okay, it'll be all right. And and then we smiled ironically at what I'd said and I took you back to our bed and made the best love to you I could considering the shape I was in. You knew not to try to touch me that night. You just ran your fingers through my hair and cried and cried. 
When did we get separated in life, sweet warrior woman? We thought we'd won the war of liberation when we embraced the word gay. And then suddenly there were professors and doctors and lawyers coming out of the woodwork telling us that meetings should be run with Robert's rules of order. Who died and left Robert God? They drove us out, made us feel ashamed of how we looked. They said we were male chauvinist pigs, the enemy. It was women's hearts they broke. We were not hard to send away. We went quietly. The plants closed, something we could have never imagined. That's when I began passing as a man. Strange to be exiled from your own sex to borders that will never be home. You were banished too, to another land with your own sex and yet forcibly apart from the women you loved as much as you tried to love yourself. For more than 20 years, I've lived on this lonely shore wondering what became of you. Did you wash off your Saturday night makeup in shame? Did you burn in anger when women said, if I wanted a man, I'd be with a real one? Are you turning tricks today? Are you waiting tables or learning Word Perfect 5.1? Are you in a lesbian bar looking out of the corner of your eye for the butchest woman in the room? Do the women there talk about democratic politics and seminars and co-ops? Are you with women who only bleed monthly on their cycles? Or are you married in another blue-collar town lying with an unemployed auto worker who is much more like me than they are, listening for the even breathing of your sleeping children? Do you bind his emotional wounds the way you tried to heal mine? Do you ever think of me in the cool night? I've been writing this letter to you for hours. My ribs hurt bad from a recent beating, you know. I never could have survived this long if I'd never known your love. Yet I still ache with missing you and need you so. Only you could melt this stone. Are you coming back? Storm has passed now. There's a pink glow of light on the horizon outside my window. I'm remembering the nights I fucked you deep and slow until the sky was just this colour. I can't think about you anymore. The pain is swallowing me up. I have to put your memory away like a precious sepia photograph. There are still so many things I want to tell you, to share with you. Since I can't mail you this letter, I'll send it to a place where they keep women's memories safe. Maybe someday, passing through this big city, you'll stop and read it. Maybe you won't. Good night, my love. So um, we, we need a break after that. <clears throat> yeah, um, but yeah, you know, we, we, we are going to take a break, but, you know, we won't have ads, um, even though they're pretend and just for us to laugh at. Again, you know, it's just given the seriousness of the subject matter and the stance of the author, you know, we'd like to avoid including ads today. Um, yeah, instead, um, Elsie will be sharing some information first on um, the pronouns that we've talked about, hooray. Um, and then after that, um, some information on LGBT resources available to listeners and um, uh, folks that you can follow and that kind of stuff. Alrighty, um, yeah, so this this is Elsie, um, yes, voice of Sarah and the other girls, but I don't try as hard for Sarah. Um, so yeah, we, um, 
you'll have noticed in um, talking about Lesbie Fe- Leslie Feinberg um, and in uh, using her author's note, etc., etc., we um, use the pronouns Z and here. Um, Again, out of respect and at the same time not wanting to exclude anybody who's not familiar with those terms, um, I thought it'd be cool to share the below, again, the following Jesus, um, from mypronouns.org. Pronouns are one of those things where, like for me anyway, using them... It's a real case of like, who does it hurt to use them? You know, like I know it's it's an extra thing for us to remember um, as people, but it's an extra thing for us to remember as the majority, you know, and that's that's kind of worth thinking about. You know, we're only a few generations away from, um, you know, black people have their own bathroom and drinking fountain. What's the problem? Or women are going to have babies anyway. What's the need for them to work in the first place? Like, there's absolutely nothing to say that. And I would be of the opinion that it definitely will be the case that why do I need to ask what pronoun you like to use is your bloke deal with it. That's going to be one of those statements in a few years. You know, it's it's um, let's just be sound for like two seconds. Um, but yes, to talk about Z and here. So Z spelled Z-E um, and here H-I-R. Um, so yeah, often people make assumptions about the gender of another person based on a person's appearance or name. Then they apply those assumptions to the pronouns and forms of address used to refer to a person. Whether or not these assumptions are correct, the very act of making an assumption, can send a potentially harmful message that people have to look a certain way to demonstrate the gender that they are or are not. If someone shares their pronouns with you, it's meant to disrupt the culture of making assumptions and to provide you with the information you need in order to refer refer to them appropriately. Just as we generally have names we go by, we also tend to have pronouns that we want to be referred to by. The name or pronouns someone goes by do not necessarily indicate anything about the person's gender or other identities. Names and pronouns tend to be publicly shared because they're part of the language commonly used to refer to people. However, identities tend to be private. Like, many people don't proactively share their gender, just as many people don't proactively share their race, class, or sexuality with mere acquaintances. Although the pronoun Z, Z-E, tends to be thought of as gender neutral, and many people find pronouns to be an important affirmation of identity, a person who goes by Z could actually be a man, a woman, both, neither, or something else entirely. Again, because people's genders tend to be private, the sharing of pronouns should not be taken as an invitation to ask for potentially private information about someone's gender. A person who goes by Z pronouns is generally referred to as using Z and associated pronouns only in the third person, usually as Z slash here um, pronouns or Z slash zier pronouns, although there are variations. Um, If in doubt, ask. That really should be our mantra forever. If in doubt, ask. And before asking, ask yourself, is it information you need to have? Genuinely, I, I catch myself out on this all the time. Is is it relevant to the story you're telling? Is it relevant to the conversation you're having? Um, we we can be the society we want to live in. We can we can definitely do it. And these building blocks are how we get there. Um, thank you for listening. She like a teacher or something, isn't she? Well, like she's genuinely like trying to teach something there, Claire. That's not that's fair enough. I can't believe you are, like, defending old-ass Elsie right now. How many times do we have to tell you she writes your lines, man? Oh, yeah. 
Elsie's so good looking and not old at all. Okay, let's let's talk about the book. Let's talk. Let's talk about this sad, sad ass book. Like, like it was. It's not. It's not sad. It's 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 just yeah. There's a lot in it. Like you know, like the thing about the books we've read so far, like they're all about people personally overcoming their immediate obstacles to to allow them to live as they truly are like molly in ruby fruit ruby fruit jungle had to leave home um but as soon as she did she was able to work her way through some very sexy relationships maggie had to sort out her very complex relationship with her mother um to make sense of her own very loving relationship with her partner in in all my mother's lovers and and juliet had to leave the bronx in, in order to get in touch with her own queerness but also appreciate how important her heritage is to her like those are all intensely personal journeys. Everyone is exploring leaving behind their own personal prison or questioning whether it was a prison at all and celebrating the ability to be who they really want to be. Yeah, but that's that's in here though. Like Jess knows that she's an like in quotes masculine woman and that she's attracted to other women. She wants to live with that gender expression and that sexuality, but her home life won't allow for that, so she has to leave. No, 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 like 100%. And like, that's absolutely the case here. But we're not just talking about the personal experience of finding yourself by leaving behind the situations or people that like don't affirm who you are. Because the fact is, the time that's being written about here, the entire world is pretty much a situation that not only doesn't affirm who Jess is, it's a system to weed her out and pretty much torture her because of who she is. Like, we haven't had that level of prejudice in anything we've read so far. Like, it was just horrible, but like, the whole time I was reading it, I was like, I don't know, like, like, Drag shows are like so deadly, and RuPaul's my hero, and Panty Bliss is the actual best, and Elliot Page looks so happy, and blokes be kissing on the AIB ads for a mortgage, and like being gay is just so okay for so many people right now, and like I haven't ordered gender expressions and all that stuff, and like and like what do you think about like I don't know, like like South Africa in the eighties are like enslaved people in the US. Like like you know about the horrible things people did. Like you know that people were killed or like are still being killed or like beaten or like forced not to have no money or whatever and like you know why you have to be so sound because like black people have suffered and like continue to suffer. But with gay people, like gay women, like butch women, like I just didn't know I didn't know it was that bad. I, I genuinely didn't know. Yeah, but like that's that's the point, isn't it? Right? Like like I even now like still like like not like today, but like right up until reading the book, like I still have had the impulse to use, even though I know it's wrong, like the impulse to say that something is gay when I mean it's like you know super sappy or like something gay would do. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh my god! Like first off, that is so not okay to use that word like that, and secondly, like like. like Dude, we don't have to break the tension, Katie. Come on, Jesus. Like, like I know, but I mean, come on. No, 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 no. What I mean, though, okay, like, like knowing that people were brutalized and raped. Well, not even knowing, because I must have known it before. But like being confronted in this book with, yeah, how people were brutalized and raped to the point that a significant number died by suicide. Going through that with Jess in this book and losing those friends with her, watching her go through those experiences again and again, like that 
is the reason to read these stories and why it isn't misery porn. It's 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 uh, an undeniable reason to that that means we can't trivialize how hard it has been to be gay openly to have different gender expressions openly and how many people have suffered and died for us to get here like i can't use that word ever again in that way it it doesn't matter if it's not what i mean it can't be done it is interesting though to bring up ruby fruit jungle cuz like this is almost the other side of that book or like maybe what i think personally Rita Mae Brown might have decided not to say in that book how do you mean well like we were talking about we were talking about it back when back when we were talking about ruby fruit jungle in the first episode how how molly sort of she doesn't ever get knocked back she knows from the outset pretty much that she's gay and sort of openly wears it she certainly never denies it um and it doesn't really stand in her way much particularly after she leaves home like she just finds all of these beautiful women one after another to have relationships with she's she's feminine in how she presents so she never really has an issue in how she gets work or access to social situations where she can meet the next amazing sexual experience she's going to have. Oh wow, yeah, like there's no way in hell Jess would have been invited to like those soirees where Molly like meets that artist lady and her daughter. Oh uh, yeah, she? yeah, yeah, Paulina. Yes. Yes, thank you sir. <laughs> no, yeah, no way Jess was getting invited to that party. Yeah, in her one suit. Okay, but like seriously though, like was Jess's experience going to buy that suit with Peaches and the other drag queens like the most life-affirming thing you guys had ever read about, or was that just me? Like, for actual real, like, like the way they just, like, shut down the shopkeeper, like, do not even come over here with your homophobic-ass this child needs a new suit, and you are going to give her the best one you can find, because she is our baby, and we love her on kind. Do a bit of clarifying, that was amazing. We should do a bit of clarifying. So, Jess, Jess is born in Buffalo, New York, in the 1940s. She's um gender non-binary even as a child i think like there's this there's this horrible scene early on in the book where a group of boys are like oh are you a boy or a girl and they end up like stripping her naked and lock her in a neighbor's coal shed just because she's not girly oh my god i completely forgot about that like how is it that like that stuff happens to her like so many times in this book that like i forgot about that one like that's the point man like it's that horrible for someone who like doesn't conform yeah and like her parents obviously like blame her for being different in the first place like she's she's supposed to be a girl why can't she act like one and and when they catch her dressing up in her father's suit they decide to send her to a psychiatric ward um and then uh, who then recommend that she go to charm school like uh that's right and then when she hits puberty she feels even less like herself like she's she's being forced into becoming this sort of books on joan from madman type when that's not who she is at all it's not until she gets that job at the printers it's after school job situation like where she feels like yeah she can be herself like wearing jeans working hard not having to like put up a front and like that's where she hears, hears the term butch applied to her for the first time. And it's, yeah, it's where she finds out that there are gay bars where people that present the same way she does get together. Yeah. And, and the thing is, like we were saying, like this is back when being openly gay or gender nonconforming are not only like not accepted, like it's not legal. So like, like we 
heard in the excerpt, like if you're caught dancing with a member of the opposite sex or wearing fewer than three items of clothing that were deemed appropriate for your assigned gender, you you could be, yeah, lo- locked up. Not just locked up, though, is, is the thing. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, obviously, like... Yeah, it's it's pretty obvious from the excerpt earlier that yeah, there 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 was a si- significant um, amount of abuse that that gay and and non gender conforming people endured at at that time in history. Uh, yeah, and, and abuse far worse than any of us had had thought had been the case. Yeah, like you you assume that people were hurt or beaten or whatever it is by by hateful people and and how many hateful people are there you know and you, you talk yourself into the idea that it, it would have happened but but that the main issue that people faced was repression that's that's what I was telling myself that that people couldn't live as their true selves and that was terrible for them um and that's what had to stop but but I sort of see now that's that's such a privileged position for me to take what what you mean privilege like like i'm not taking into account that people have to find companionship that that any gay or non-conforming non-gender conforming people around back then that that survived in order for them to survive they they must have found ways to live as themselves like we we see it with jess she's so overcome with relief and gratitude and just belonging when she goes to the bar for the first time well yeah well i don't get why that way looking at it is like privileged or whatever like why is oh do you mean like oh do you mean like that yeah they don't get to have the yeah they don't get to hang out with people not bothering anybody um because they weren't the way that everyone else is but you know just just don't do that yeah i suppose exactly exactly yeah i just i just thought that yeah gay people or non-gender conforming people, they just had to make it work. And yeah, and that sucked. I didn't think about the fact that you, how could you live as something other than yourself and and not, and therefore not have any real companionship with, with anyone else? Of course, you wouldn't, of course, you'd, you wouldn't make it. Um, and the only people that would have been able to make it would have found a way to to do that openly and 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 in doing so put themselves in in very real danger danger that was significantly worse than than i had thought previously yeah yeah and like that was just like like the idea that just a way of being a person like that doesn't affect anybody else like like that the people yeah the way like the police like treated them like they didn't see anybody in that bar as like a person yeah that's that's the thing like when you see anything like this whether it's racism or sexism or homophobia or or transphobia like if someone is just living their life and their actions don't intersect with yours at all like why why would you do something why would you yeah and i think yeah 
that whole thing of needing to belong, it is, it's so dangerous for Jess to go to that bar. And she's so young as well. She's like 16, 17. And, but she, she genuinely doesn't have a choice. Like not, not really. Yeah. Yeah. Like how could you live feeling that lonely and out of place? And like, yeah. And what's more for like a butch woman back then, like everybody would probably be like trying to fix you as you get older. Yeah, I was thinking about this, like being being about like yeah, being butch or being yeah, a butch woman. Like the way I, I grew up, I guess. Like I yeah, I think I was sort of tough because I definitely think this. Like like that a girl that's not feminine, like is like a real unfortunate person and like someone to be like. I don't know, like pitied or something. Like someone, it's someone that's gotten the short end of the stick in life, and will have to fight against that to like get to the goal. And the goal is being super feminine, like that. Like this is the first time I've read about a woman that like didn't like really enjoy being feminine. Dude, that is like such an insanely ignorant point of view. What is? Saying that this is the fourth time I read about a woman that didn't enjoy being feminine. Like, yeah, you can't say that women have to be feminine, man. That's the problem with society. <laughs> I never said it wasn't okay, okay? I said I never thought it was an option that anyone would go for. That's even worse, man. Oh my god, Katie, how are we supposed to have a real conversation if you're just going to jump down my tray every time I say something that isn't on your pre-approved list of fucking woke soundbite? Jesus Christ. She's got a point, Kay. It's just unhelpful to term butchness as something that's not okay or not an option like that. Like, what if someone dealing with, like, shame over not wanting to be a feminine woman was listening and was, like, hurt by that, man? But, like, what if someone that, like, thinks like Chloe was listening and now thinks that their, I don't know, ignorance over femininity not being right for all women is what's shameful. Like it is shameful though. Also, my experience doesn't count then, even though there are definitely other people listening that think the same way I do, and I don't think that way no more after reading the fucking book, Katie. That's why I brought it up. It's kind of the whole point of the show, okay? Like, finding out stuff that we hadn't thought about before by being exposed to viewpoints we're too, like, homogenized to see. Like, legitimately, the reason we chose this book in the first place. Like, and I, I kind I do recognize what you're talking about, Chloe. Like, yeah, she, she's an unfortunate looking girl. Exactly. It's shocking for... A girl to be tall like that in that so sad yeah she must have had something on him why else would he have married her uh, you know and of course the classic you look like a lesbian you'd want to get that mustache wax chloe okay Whoa. now i'm you that you need to spend a weekend with my ma you, that self-esteem you're dragging around with you, it's not good for nothing that's all i'm saying <laughs> you weren't using it for anything now well, i mean i assume it was what was keeping me from fitting into me skinny jeans like sarah that must have been three pounds easy <laughs> You shouldn't laugh. Yeah, you shouldn't laugh. This is all so anti-feminist, man. No, 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 Katie. This is important. It should be okay to talk about this stuff so people can get over it, innit? Like, people be thinking that being butch isn't okay, or being gay isn't okay, or being from Galway isn't okay. <laughs> every time, every time, every time. I mean, I if they stop God. laughing, I'll stop making a joke. But, I mean, but the thing is, Katie, if we can't, if we can't, like talk about them prejudices how are we ever gonna get past them and welcome people from Galway into <laughs> normal society <laughs> all excellent points Chloe <laughs> like, I mean like, are you going to prevent me starting this valuable dialogue right now Katie is that is that what this is right now like no okay good so the first person I met from Galway was my friend's cousin in 2005 <laughs> seriously like, <laughs> no 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 no
she'd always go on about how it was just like yeah so sad to see like some girls that like walk like a bloke or like had like small boobs or that like was like strong looking you know like like it was a failing for them or something and we should all like feel like sorry for them because they they didn't have the chance to be like the best version of a woman that they can be like and like reading about Jess being like freaked out by her boobs like and feeling more comfortable in men's clothing and wanting to be like handsome and not pretty and like not wanting to be a man but like not wanting to be like a feminine woman like wanting to get her breasts removed wanting to be like physically strong and quiet and handsome and have relationships with the sexy femme ladies at the bar like that was yeah that was like I didn't realize that I've been thinking like subconsciously that someone being butch was actually someone like failing at being a woman. Like, what part of that isn't bananas insulting to women who identify that way? That's what I'm saying, Katie. Jesus, reading the book and seeing Jess being a whole-ass person, I can see how fucking one-dimensional that is. And, like, proper narcissistic that idea is. Like, someone being, like, a more masculine woman is is just that. It's just another way of being yourself. The idea that being hyper-feminine is the only way to be a woman is, like, crazy limited and... I just didn't realise that I had that programming, okay? I'm really glad we read this book so I could come across that. And I'm really glad that all you girls, except Katie, are okay with me working it out so I can do better in my everyday life from now on. Okay, rebuttal? Like, I wasn't saying it wasn't okay for you to figure that out. <laughs> No, no, no. I I wanted you to already know it. Which I didn't. So I would have been going on like I got that bush women are not people to feel sorry for. I would have been going on like that, yeah. While having this instinct to feel sorry for them and like not knowing why I like wanted to feel sorry for them. Like, how is that helpful? Surely me working that out and being real and holding myself accountable. There's a woke Twitter word for you, Katie. in real life Kay like seriously like like oh man Katie don't feel bad no no seriously seriously don't coddle her she has to learn <laughs> you're so strict <laughs> so mean so to move on to move on to a slightly more positive area of the book oh my god for the love of god please do <laughs> so after after all of Jess's yeah exclusion and mistreatment and like I don't know, denial of who she is by like everyone around her while she's in school. The the acceptance she finds when she does find her people is is pretty amazing. Oh my God, yes. Yeah, like the relief and like awe she seems to feel when she finally sees the women she wants to like grow up to be and the women she wants to grow up to be with. It's like so touching and like so sad at the same time. Like, how do you mean sad? Oh my God, Cleaner, no. Like, like I don't mean sad as in like, Oh my god, no, like I would hate to make you feel bad. No, 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 no. I felt sad too. Well, feeling happy and like, I, I don't know. I found so much of the book or like maybe my reactions to it like real confusing or something. How so? Like, like I'm not sure. Uh, it, it might be easier to listen to what Sersha thought was sad, maybe. Oh my god, of course, yeah, 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 like, um, 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 
Yeah, yeah. Like when when Jess goes to the bar first and she meets Peaches and um she meets I think she meets Grant first. Um yeah, I think Grant is her first kind of mentor person and I think yeah, I think Al she meets later. But yeah, Peaches is like an elder drag queen and Grant um as an elder butch and 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 then Jess meets meets others over time in the community and they all enter into these kind of supporting almost parental type relationships with her likely because they remember needing guidance and support when they were her age and and they know that their lifestyle has to stay on the fringes of society and that they'll be abused and mistreated just just for being their authentic selves and and like so all of that is implicit in all of the kind gestures and the sense of community that the other butches and the the other drag queens the older drag queens their Jess isn't a drag queen <laughs> extend to Jess yeah there's there's just there's this sad kind of grim undercurrent to the community just like we we're going to look after you because because n- no one else will yeah there's there's something in there with the little like rituals kind of that the femme ladies have with the the hishi stone butch women um they have this habit of like smoothing their girlfriend's collars and like fixing their ties the way like a wife would send her husband out to to face the the morning rush or whatever or like send a soldier off to battle almost yeah yeah i was struck by that too yeah it's it's this really affectionate gesture but it's like super respectful too like their their shirt collars and ties are the reasons why these women are being thrown into prison cells and having the hell beaten out of them like paying attention to the sort of badge of resistance that that was like this really romantic gesture yeah yeah it was no 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 i'm not i'm not upset it's just um you think you know like now coming out and stuff you you think about your family turning on you or or like whether you wouldn't have friends or anything after after you come out or like maybe you think that the reason you're unhappy in the first place is because there's something wrong with you and and maybe you being gay is 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 that something maybe that's the thing that's wrong with you and that's why you feel this way and you hear about people not being able to take it and all the all the mental health stuff and people being put out of home and and their families not talking to them and everything but like like thinking about the police like the police like the people that are supposed to protect you like like not even just attacking you like properly abusing you like r- raping these women like it's just because and the reason that they do it is because they don't see you as human they see you as a thing to be broken up in front of people like like what's weird about this is as as much of kind of my own figuring out who who I, who I am I suppose this is it means as well that I haven't been listening to the like experiences of black people in the US at the minute properly because like I'm talking I hear myself saying that like it was really shocking that that seeing these women like me being mistreated by the police but that's what that's what black people have been saying in the US 
for years now and and I've been reading about it and shaking my head and going oh no isn't that terrible but seeing someone like me even though it's more than 50 years ago I can't sleep at night you know so I'm just I can't believe I'm that selfish you know and and I, I don't understand I didn't think I was that selfish but I must be and and I just it makes me so tired and I just I I I don't want to think about it, really. But you don't have to think about it all the time, Clay. I have to think about it a lot more than I am. Like, that's kind of the whole point. Like, it's the point of the book. It's the point of reading it. Like, being a gay woman at that time, especially a gay butch woman, meant building a life for yourself with the extreme likelihood that it'll all fall down and be taken away from you out of nowhere. And you have to build it back up again. Because cause what else are you going to do? And there are people now that have that experience and I'm not listening to them. That's really cool, Clay. For real, man. Like, genuinely. And like, and the thing, the thing is, these are right. There, there were amazing things in there too, like Jess and Teresa falling in love. Jess and Ruth's relationship was really lovely too. Yeah, yeah. Even Jess and Edna. Like, did you guys get the feeling that there was this like maternal quality with Jess's really deep relationships. Oh my God, yes, yeah. Like she had to look after herself so much and with so little in the way of emotional support, like even from the other butch women around her because, I mean, they were similarly trying to protect themselves. And like, so then Teresa and Ruth and Edna too, I think, yeah, I think you're right. They all supported Jess emotionally in such a beautiful way, like and in such a tough way. Like they kept all of it to themselves. They kept all of their own stuff to themselves so as not to hurt her until, you know, they couldn't anymore and it had to come out in fights or abandonment or any other number of things. Like, oh my God, it's just so sad. And like, yeah, think about it. It was just so horrible. The idea that like having all that like full on sexual abuse trauma and like all from blokes being just like actual pigs because like like lesbians don't want like nothing to do with like your gross little willies lads like yeah and that's what like turned these women like hard like this is what turned them stone like that they 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 found it so hard to have sexual relationships and all like and and like and that's this major thing then to find someone who could like get through that barrier or whatever like that's that's insane like and that people would have thought yeah no hassle with that women shouldn't be getting off with women is well enough for them like like that is crazy this is the thing like this is the like who does it hurt argument like if you ask that question about anything that someone is doing if the answer is no one then likelihood is we're all good like you could definitely make the argument that like driving a car is significantly more deadly than homosexuality but and you wouldn't even have to make that argument you would pull out the statistics and they would make the argument for you but I mean you're encouraged to put full driving license credentials on your actual CV so that you can get a better job it's seen as an an advantageous thing started saying advantage and then went into advantageous and didn't really know where to where to go with it no yeah, excellent save I don't think anyone noticed yeah I think we, we we definitely made it out of there alive genuinely <laughs> but going back to yeah the, the CV thing like so uh, I shouldn't have lesbian minesweeper whiz on my CV is that is that what you're saying right now well, I mean like you could just take out the lesbian bit I mean d- does it add anything to the conversation like they're employing you for your minesweeper skills like let's let's be real that is an excellent point what were we talking about 
Lesbians. <laughs> the way that the groups and various relationships supported each other, Claire. Okay, thank you, Sersha. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, what was weird, well, not like weird, but like horrible, was like seeing all of those women turn on each other too, though. That was, yeah, that was pretty real, though. That idea that like there were different ideas coming in and changing people's dances yeah but like Teresa coming home with like the women's liberation literature and all them groups like saying that butch women like weren't okay that they were like chauvinists or whatever just cause like like yes saying that they were like trying to be like men even though they like genuinely weren't and like how could they be like men if men were beating the shit out of them every second day it is really interesting though and it reminds me of Vivek Shreya's I'm Afraid of Men um last episode where we were talking about it and like yeah it talks about the not the opposite issue but a a male version of that I suppose in the male gay scene where where Vivek Shreya's experience was that she needed to put on lots of like muscle and and, and present as like super hyper masculine prior to her transition, obviously. Um, yeah, to, to be accepted as part of that scene. What's interesting, yeah, about that time in feminism too, in like, yeah, the late 60s and 70s and all that stuff, the whole white lady feminist thing, kind of talking only about stuff that white ladies had felt depression over like like menstruation the, the idea that it was like shameful and gross and like the expectation that you were just a breeder which is terrifying and yet the fact that you had to be second in line behind your husband regardless of whether you wanted a husband to begin with but yeah that conversation those particular points in the tradition of white people doing anything became the main feminist narrative so so when we're talking about that wave of feminism right up until like kind of the mid 2000s later even we're talking about white cis women who don't want anything resembling masculinity or femininity as seen through the male gaze so anything hyper hyper feminine um as seen through kind of the the traditional male gaze or anything masculine they've both got to be gone uh, as part of their new world order so that leaves you with a very narrow kind of set of 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 personas that you can that you can inhabit and that and it excludes both Jess and Teresa which is pretty messed up like and like I know we've been talking about it already like and not to like be a proper dead horse or nothing but like it is weird to think back to like Ruby Fruit Jungle where Molly's all oh why are these women that looks like blokes in this bar if I wanted a bloke I get off with a bloke and like after reading this book that's such a bitchy thing to say like Jess in no bloke she's Jess get to know her like she gets arrested and beaten up and fucking raped for looking like that. Don't be such a like reductive bitch, Molly. This is the thing, like, and this is this is the idea of like where the fights come from. Like the Stonewall riots are a result of one police raid too many, gay people finally standing up and more people get beaten up and targeted. But then a decade or two later, you know, people wake up and, and get on the right page with it. But like, yeah, I don't know. Knowing knowing about what it was actually like is is um important I think to to actually genuinely honor it and stuff yeah and like it kind of for me like oh like buying a rainbow backpack to wear to the pride parade like it's not you know wearing face paint it's not enough for me as like a cis heterosexual woman it's just not like we have to stand up if we're going to be allies we have to think about what everybody went through you know and talk back to people who are yeah who are feeling revulsion towards people in this in 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 the community and just 
oh my god, it's like shut up when people that are different to us want to speak. You know, like it's just it's the only way we're gonna learn. I swear. Oh, it's just all so sad. Like, but we did agree before that Ruby Fruit Jungle was like inspirational and stuff. Well, like yeah, and I still I think we can stand by that. I I think I I still agree with what we said in the first episode. Like it it works in like a superhero kind of way. Molly works as yeah, a superhero. <laughs> like it could well have been really important in inspiring women to be who they are and live their truth when it comes to their sexuality. But the thing is this book Stone Butch Blues is critical, I think, more so even than for people who want to embrace their gender identity. But also, yeah, I think more importantly, for those of us that 60 years ago would have been actively oppressing the people we're celebrating in this series. Like, we need to know and, like, own the fact that if we were just normal rule following lower to middle class people back then we would have been actively oppressing Kleena by paying tax to a government enforcing homophobic laws and not speaking up against it like that's that's important history to have and it's an important piece of knowledge to come to terms with yeah like you know what the holocaust entailed so you take that into account when you talk about world war ii you don't just throw genocide information around willy-nilly you think about people listening and you know we're getting a feeling now for what enslaved peoples endured when we start to talk about race and i don't know that we have that when we talk about the gay community or the trans community when we talk about that, we talk about a community that we assume was was living in secret, that, you know, that had gay speakeasies or something and, and that it's not fair that this community needs its own forum, that that if there were hate crimes enacted upon them, it was enacted by criminals, by thugs, by, by people who are not normal. You know, that's not the case. This is a group of people who were physically and sexually abused by people trusted to protect everyone in society. And it's a group of people who were held economic hostage by the fact that they they couldn't find work and would not be employed by anyone, particularly if they presented as a different gender to the one they were assigned at birth. And in the case of butch women, this is a group of women abandoned by other women for not fitting in. Like, it's it's not something I've ever thought about. It's something that most of us, that all of us, I think, hadn't thought about in, in this group. And that's, that's crazy. That's great. Like, if we're fighting for LGBTQ plus equality, we need to know. I had never thought about it before and I am going to find it impossible to forget. Genuinely. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> right there. So yeah. Extra, yeah. <laughs> we, do, we do recommend that you read this book. No, seriously, we, we genuinely do. We, we realize now that we were resting on our laurels a little bit, thinking we were so woke. And um, wokeness is not about following the rules or saying or doing the right thing as as de- declared in a manifesto. Like it's it's working against a legacy of mistreatment and pain. Like that's, that is the reason to read stories like this, you know? Um, so yeah, Stone Butch Blues is available for free download at lesliefeinberg.net um, along with information on the uh, the work Leslie Feinberg was completing up to Hear Death in, in 2014. We do encourage you to read it. Um, there's, there's a lot of inspirational stuff in there and a lot to learn. 
Um, we will be back with our next episode and final episode in this series on Kira Smith's The Falling in Love montage in, in a couple of weeks. But um, until then, please feel free to like and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Um, we also follow us on Twitter at, at chicklet 4 life one or Instagram at, at LifeChicklet4. Stay hydrated. Um, get your vaccines. Vaccines going two for euros. Sarah. That's not true. Um, so offensive. Yes, yeah, sorry, Chloe. <laughs> Yeah, just continue being awesome and look out for each other and we will be back before you know it. So, Elsie back again. That uh, that that took that took a while to record. But anyway, that's that's not what we're here to talk about. That's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about um that in following on from the book, following on from from Stone Butch Blues, I wanted to um just yeah, shoot on some some uh, bits and pieces that 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 I found online, and just to kickstart your own looking into um, what's what's going on in in the uh, the scene at the minute, where you can catch up on on what it's like for folks to identify as as a butch woman today. Um, there are so many amazing writers out there sharing their experience. Um, there's Yazine Sengor wrote an excellent piece on what butch means to me for for Stonewall.org.uk last year. Um, Eliza Kostelanets, I have said her name wrong, Schrader, Schrader is her, her surname. Um, she wrote this gorgeous essay on Stone Butch Blues and her own experiences with her own gender identity in May of this year for Guernica. Um, and then Poet, uh, Poet, I said that very strange, it's because I was gearing up to say Joelle Taylor, um, Poet Joelle Taylor. There we go. Recorded uh, a BBC Radio 4 show this year um, celebrating being butch. And um, that w- those were air quotes. Um, and uh, she explores its its rich meaning for her and for others. That's available on mbbc.co.uk um, under BBC Radio 4. Um, and also then for anyone who's dealt with any of the issues that have come up in today's show, please go to edhouse.ie, lgbt.ie for folks listening here in Ireland, or glaad.org or ilga.org, apologies, ilga.org for our international listeners for a list of resources um, that you can draw on. <laughs> 